I doubt if there is any problem, social, political, or economic, that would not melt away before the fire of such a spiritual undertaking. So, um, the book that I picked up, I saw it on a website and I was like, oh, that looks cool. And it's called um, Invention of Sicily. Look it up real quick. I think I might have checked this book out for a paper once. The Invention of Sicily, a Mediterranean History. And it is by Jamie Mackey. McKay. Jamie McKay. Jamie McKay. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, this is dangerous for me to look this book up because I'm going to look at the price on Amazon. I'm like, oh man, it's only 10 bucks. Yeah, right. I can request it. Oh no, actually, oh no, this just came out in 2021, so this is pretty new. Yeah, it's a new no, I've, then it's I a new then book. I have not read this. There was a different. Oh, okay. Then then there was a there was a different. Um, this is not meant to be like negative at all, but a more popular yeah. press book that I read mm-hmm. about Sicily. Um, and I thought I was conflating the two, but this is oh, this okay. is definitely a different one. And cool. you know, this one there always needs history. to be more books on Sicily. Sicily is like yeah. one of the cooler places that I'll never study too too much, but like think yep. it's a really cool place. And, you know, this book might be popular history, too, but I have obviously a personal interest in Sicily. It's a fascinating history. Um, And so I just say, oh, that's this guy was. So one of the things that this author sets out is that he says that in most historical accounts of history of Sicily, it's Sicily is always a footnote to whatever empire has conquered. Mm. Very rarely do you get a Sicilian history. Like that's like, you know, looking at Sicily as a, as an individual um, society. Interesting. Outside of the colonial or the imperial yeah. um, powers. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, oh, well, that sounds kind of cool. And that's exactly what I was like, kind of hoping to find. And so he starts off in the ancient world, talks about how, you know, the Greeks saw Sicily as this mythical place, like Hephaestus had his mm-hmm. forge in Mount Etna. They thought the Cyclops was put on Cyclops was on Sicily, Medusa, mm-hmm. um, and the Gorgon is on um, Gorgons on Sicily. Like it's this real mythical place. Um, and then, kind of moving forward, you get uh, uh, was it Plato? Yeah, um, Plato. Yeah, Plato or Socrates? One of the two. One of the two. Yeah. And I, I, I want to say it was Plato, but mm-hmm. uh, because. Um, but I might be mixing them up. Uh, they go and they, they're really studying Sicily and they're kind of frustrated with the political system that they find there. They're really? like, they're kind of fascinated by it, but they're also like, what do you guys do? Like, this is very not like, what are they frustrated about as like compared to uh, like the, the tyranny. democracy? Um, oh, interesting. No, the tyranny. They, they see it as a tyrannical uh, system. Um, the kid, like, yeah. Kings essentially, but it's also mm-hmm. kind of, um, and then you get, it goes through different periods where you have, you know, Rome. So the first recorded Western slave revolt was actually Sicilians. Really? Um, revolting against the Romans. Um, and then you had, so Rome had to commit a fairly large army to like reconquer Rome after like the reconquer Sicilians. My bad. Thank you. Yeah. Conquer Sicily yeah. after the Man, Spartacus was going real hardcore here. Yes. <laughs> Alternate um, history. Spartacus yes. conquers Rome. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. That'd be an interesting. Like he starts his that own dynasty. If he yeah. starts his own like Caesaric dynasty or something. Oh my gosh. 
of Caesar. Be- we call, yeah, remember, like, imagine like yeah. European history instead of like everything like is connected to Caesar, right? Instead of Kaiser, instead of like yeah, um, all that we have like Spartacus. <laughs> it's, that like, the would thing be, that continues on. That'd be an interesting alternate history. That would be a really interesting alternate history. I wonder if his bloodline would have become as crazy as the Caesars did. Um, anyways, the uh, yeah, so you had um. The one, so he, the author also kind of sets up this idea that Sicily has always been a place of a plurality of cultures. And yep. there's always been this, you look at the churches and you see Normans and uh, Greek, Byzantine and mm-hmm. Italian, Roman architecture. And then you also get the Moors who, who settled there and they and built mosques and, um, so you um, you get all of this really interesting blending of cultures, um, and he said that it really has influenced how Sicilians see themselves as being kind of cosmopolitan, but not in a you know neocon globalist way, but in kind of a we are the the crossroads of the of the world essentially. Yeah, and we represent kind of a place where anybody comes and um, kind of shares ideas and. Now, he also says, he, as we go forward in the history of Sicily, like nationalism becomes an issue in Sicily. So things kind of crop up that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of veer off of that. But uh, so <laughs> one thing that I found kind of amusing, he talks about uh, Sigmund Freud, who went down to Sicily. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Freud. <laughs> and, um, Freud. <laughs> and, uh, deep inside. That's a deep cut inside joke. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You know, you know, <laughs> exactly. Not like the and two people who might have been listening to us from Brazil. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So sh- if you're yeah, listening to us, you guys. shout out to you yeah. guys. Yeah. Just saw that um, a couple days ago. I'm like, oh, or, or gals. I'm not sure. Yes. Um, I'd be. Come on. This is like this is, again, a failed AA attempt. That's got to be just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if it is instead of therapy, this is, <laughs> this yeah. is what we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Freud goes down and he. Uh, He's visiting like Syracuse and, you know, Palermo and he's doing the whole thing. Um, and he becomes frustrated. And this off the quote, this author pulls from Freud about Sicily is that he said, it's like this, you know, wonderful, interesting land, but he says it's where the conscious and unconscious mind becomes muddled. And it's the, mm. where you find the outer limits of the ego. And when he returns to Vienna, he starts to, apparently this is when he began to kind of despair in his pursuits mm-hmm. and like start thinking whether or not psychoanalysis is like, you know, effective. And he kind of goes to this part, but it's after he got home from Sicily. So what happened to him in Sicily? I'm not, the author doesn't go into too much detail on that. Just kind of his response. Um, so Sicily is an interesting place. Uh, I have family members, you know, i I have family who came from Sicily. I've, they, it's beautiful, but it's also got such a history of, you know, violence and corruption. And uh, so it's like this paradox of beautiful Mediterranean land that's fertile and you can grow things and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, teeming with, you know, culture, but it's also dark and it has this, you know, death that's almost hanging over it. And it's uh, so, uh, and I know that it has a, like moving. I haven't gotten to this point in the book, but I, what I'd like to talk to you about is how far did you get? I'm curious. So like what time period roughly. So I got to the, um, 
Uh, so beginning in, I just started medieval, but it's okay. just beginning with the medieval. Um, kind of a... Have you gotten to the Norman Conquest yet? Nope. Okay. The That's, things are going to so speed up there. <laughs> we'll talk yeah, about it when we get there. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I would actually like to kind of hear about that because the the author does kind of allude to oh so here's something that's interesting that i want to add to it as well mm-hmm. um this author and i wanted to get your opinion on this because this is very mm-hmm. medieval catholicism and how things kind uh, of shape think- out mm-hmm. so in his opinion the the sicilians have chosen patron saints like saint lucy and saint agatha who were both you know martyrs and were you know very mm-hmm. spiritual but yeah. they also represented a political element of of opposing um, outside influence. Um, mm-hmm. And so they rejected the pagan influence. And so they represented a political. Cause they're both Roman. Thing. They're both Roman. Um, yes. Roman time classical. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's where he <clears throat> says that you get this in that. And then he goes on to, and this author seems to have a distaste for centralized Christianity so he thought that, you know, when Christians had more like localized cults and not things weren't as centralized in Rome, things were better for the Sicilians. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he also goes on to say that the Sicilians also were kind of in, am I right? Were they, was Sicily pro papal states or were they kind of at odds with the papal so, states? So, yeah, that's a weird, so I'm trying to think. Parts of it what were controlled by the Byzantine Empire for a while. Yes. <clears throat> actually right. so it's weird so there's this weird confluence of like there's jews there's muslims there's latin yeah. christians but there's also greek orthodox christians all living in not just sicily but also southern italy which is also kind of right. gets joined together in the same regno the ca- same kingdom yeah. um but wait, what was the question again sorry i'm was, um did, did the sicilians support the pope in the oh States? um I'm not 100% sure, but what's interesting is that the Sicilian kings, the Normans, they yeah. ruled southern they ruled southern Italy as a papal fief, quote unquote. Okay, yeah. Um so technically it belonged to the pope and the pope had given it to them and they were administering it for the sake of the papacy. However, the first Norman king, the way he got into that position was by fighting a papal army on the field, beating the papal army, taking the pope captive and saying, "Hey, how about you make me in charge of everything?" And the Pope's like, well, like, well, I'd well die. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, yeah, that's fine. You're in charge, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, so I, I don't know. I, I think I would put it as a different category than the papal states. I think I'd yeah. put it more in kind of its own, it's its own thing in the same way that you couldn't really necessarily put the Northern Italian communes and yeah. cities as like pro papal or anti papal. Some of them were, some of them weren't. I don't really think you could box. I think you could so, box Southern Italy into that area. I think you just say it's and that's it's and that follows just mess. based on everything else. And so, but isn't it true that there was a pretty successful revolt against the Norman kings led by ethnic or like natives of Sicily? There might have been. I think you might. So there wasn't a successful one against the Normans. Um, oh, okay. There was a successful ones. You'll probably get to this later against yeah. the French. Because uh, after, so first the Normans show up and the Normans take over everything. Yeah. And then a Norman princess gets married to the Holy Roman Emperor, who's a German. Okay. Henry the Sixth. Yeah. And so Henry the Sixth comes over and kind of kills a bunch of people, as you do yeah. when you're the Holy Roman Emperor. <laughs> and that he puts down a revolt and again, continues to kill people. He dies. His son, Frederick II, is the Pope, or not the Pope. His son, Frederick II, is 
too young to rule anything. So the Holy Roman Empire up in Germany kind of goes to pieces. Italy or Sicily and Southern Italy kind of, it's a very tumultuous period because technically he has a claim to it, but he's also like two. So like, right. Imagine two year old being like, I'm in charge of like (laughs) multiple areas, like the entire Southern (laughs) half of Italy. (laughs) This is not going to work. Right. No. Um, and so what happens then is eventually Frederick turns out all right and Sicily becomes Sicily and Southern Italy become his main hub. He eventually ends okay. up constituting the empire up in the north, but his sons end up ruling there and the papacy gets so pissed off at them. They call him the French. Then the French come in. This is like around 12, six years. So the French come in, kill um, Frederick, the second sons who are ruling there. And then they're ruling down there. It's actually King Louis, the younger brother, Charles of Anjou, who's ruling in Southern France. And so he's doing pretty good, except he's also a tyrant. Um, And so the Sicilians, they don't like that. And they have this very famous episode called the Sicilian Vespers in which it's like 1290. It's in the 1290s in which at Vespers on a certain day, they in Palermo, the Sicilians kill every single French person they can find. Like they just go through it's coordinated. It's like the Godfather where they hit everyone at once. It's like that. Right. They go and hit everyone. And as they do it, they've coordinated with the king of Spain, who was married to the daughter of one of Frederick II's sons. So follow that. Frederick II, one of his sons, one of the daughters of Frederick II's sons, who technically kind of has a sort of maybe claim to southern Italy, gets married to the king of not even of Spain, of Aragon, which is the Mediterranean strip of Spain. As soon as the Sicilians like whack all the French. Then the then the the Aragonese quote unquote Spanish move in, yeah. and then that's who controls Sicily until like the reunification of 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 Italy. Wow. Yeah. So this is the funny thing. When I was I was giving a lecture once um, about um, Frederick II, and I mentioned the Normans conquering Sicily. Yeah. And I said, so the most important island that the Normans conquered, um, it was Sicily, and I give all the reasons because it's as you you know, mentioned from the book, it's literally yeah. the center of the world. And it's like, yeah. and there's this other Island they conquered that nobody really cared about at the time called England because it's true. Who cares about yeah. England? Everyone's freezing right. to death in England and it's always raining. <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> nobody gives a shit about England, right? Everyone cares about it because it was the Norman, like William the conqueror, yeah. who's a Norman, but his other brothers are like, dude, why are you going North? It's cold. Let's go to the Mediterranean. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> So that's, yeah, that's, that's the joke I make. It's like nobody cared about England when they cared. Who cares? Like, yeah, yep. the English cared about it, but in the grand <laughs> grand political scheme, no one else cared. Oh, yep. great. Have fun that's with the iceberg. That's a similar story to um how the United States ended up winning the Revolutionary War. Um I mean, there was Fre- help with the French, they got lucky, you know, and you know, mm-hmm. they were motivated, but at the same time the British were fighting like the Dutch and the French in India mm-hmm. and India had spices and like better weather than Massachusetts and like, <laughs> you know, like, like dramatically better, <laughs> like more land better. Like it's more developed. They have spices, they have rubies and they're like, I really don't care about like salmon or like oysters and like wood <laughs> clam chowder, <laughs> clam chowder, Boston. Boston. <laughs> Gotta keep them lobster backs away from a clam chowder. That's right. It's like 
we don't care about these religious zealots who are like or like these puritans <laughs> dude i want my rubies and my spices because that's what's keeping this empire going <laughs> but, but what about the tobacco shut up we don't have time for this <laughs> we don't yeah well i mean yeah you did have tobacco but i think they yeah. may have even been like growing some tobacco in it. Uh, i might be i don't know that for sure i shouldn't say that i don't know but they sure. probably could have it wouldn't have been probably. that hard once that yeah. they got the plant they cut up they could have moved it yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. they were largely focused on India at the same time the American Revolution was happening. Mm-hmm. And now, now India is no joke as a country. I mean, it's a huge country with a large economy, but yeah. the world power is now, you know, the United States. It's and similarly, it? Sicily is like a third world country compared yeah. to England. Like yeah. it's yeah. yeah. But in the Middle Ages, that's where everything's happening. That's yeah. where everyone's crossing. Um, by the way, um, who was it that lost at the Battle of Yorktown? Was it Cornwallis? Uh, Ooh, yeah, I think so. I think it was Cornwallis. At York, give me. I'm gonna pull it up just so we don't sound stupid. Pull that shit um, up. Pull that shit up, Peter. Um, yep, Cornwallis. Good job. Yeah. Yep. So Cornwallis. Funny thing about Cornwallis is, like, all of us Americans remember him as the loser who handed over. He actually yep. then went back to England and got redeployed into India and was actually incredibly successful as a military yep. leader in India. Yep. So, like, when you actually get air support, you're actually like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And the French aren't surrounding you. Like, exactly. You yeah, exactly. Yeah. So oh, um, it's yeah, no, that, that was in that uh, uh, the chaos, the book I was reading about India, they, they mentioned Cornwallis, how he like, yeah, total military failure in, in the United States. They sent him over to India and he became wildly successful and rich. Also of, like what he did over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's try, interesting. It's, try, try again. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they, I would love to go to Sicily and I want to like, you know, get pretty good at Italian specifically like and pick up some of like the local dialect stuff mm-hmm. and like just spend like a month, like kind of just like exploring the island and just exploring like Norman ruins and just, mm-hmm. you know, doing the whole like thing. It would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be interesting. I mean, it's interesting when you talk about it being the center of the world. I was just reading yesterday about Genoa, right? Genoa is up yeah. on the far left-hand corner of of, Sis, of not Sicily, of Italy, of the boot. Yeah. And um, they were trying to cut deals with the Norman kings and then later Frederick Barbarossa, who ended up trying to conquer um, Sicily and southern France. And they were trying to box out the rest of Western Europe from all the trade that was going through that area. Yeah. They wanted to cut out the Provençals, who are the Southern French. They're trying to cut out the Aragonese, who are in Spain. They're trying yeah. to cut out everyone so that only Genoese ships could be the point of contact between, um, between Sicily yeah. and the rest of Western Europe. Because again, all of the wealth that is coming from, from the Middle East, and then yeah. by extension, China, is yeah. coming through Sicily. Wow. Everything. Yeah everything it's it's i'm trying to think of like a similar point in in the world today it's almost like the suez canal in right. a, in a sense it's very right. much like the suez canal where yeah. all so much global shipping is going through that area and controlling being, it is incredibly powerful yeah can you imagine being in palermo at that time how like must have been insane yeah like that port must have been crazy like man and but what's interesting, what I from what I'm hearing, you're saying the local Sicilians, like who would be considered quote unquote native, were never fully in charge of their own territory. There was always almost always a foreign power imposing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, where is this? Fr- 
from Cuckatoo in the wild. Okay. So there's this interesting aspect of um, Frederick the second in one of his, um, in one of his, in, in, he had a book called the art of hunting with birds of how to do falconry. Yeah. And in the margins, someone had, had drawn a picture of a cuckatoo. Okay. A cuckatoo comes from, I believe, Vietnam. Okay. Yeah. So think about that. They had to have had a live cuckatoo that came from essentially Southeast Asia. Yeah. That had gotten all the way to Sicily in the 13th century. Wow. And so, yeah, Frederick II had a Southeast Asian cuckatoo. Yeah. Like when you talk, yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible when you think about that. So, when people like this is what bothers me about people who talk about Europe during that time as being like insular and dark and not like there really is oh, not my bad. Evan, my like, bad. It's actually Indonesia slash Australia, which is even further than Vietnam. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like way up, way, way up. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe a um, Vietnamese like chief dinner. I don't know what would have been like, traded it. Know, yeah. Someone from it. India yeah. to someone yeah. in you know, some Muslim empire who traded it yeah. into the Mediterranean. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So if the, like when you talk about the 13th century, how much trade was going on in Europe it is wildly uninformed to like imagine Europe at that time as being like insular and dark and like not connected and cultured. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe England was, but maybe, <laughs> right. Maybe England, right. <laughs> to kind but of cut like, off. <laughs> yeah. Hard to get to, but like certainly the Mediterranean, yeah. France, Spain, Italy, yep. and by extension, I'm sure even parts of Germany, um, like yeah, they, they, they were in con- connection with like the rest of the world, yep. all the way out to Indonesia. Like, yeah, no, they certainly were. Yeah. And even when you look at like the Muslim world, um, like in Iran and Iraq, they have porcelain plates from from China. Whoa, yeah, they they, they didn't even wow. bother to make like. There was a huge influx, like in the same, like Ikea. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's like, okay, cool. Let's get us some like really nice ones, some really bad ones, yeah. whatever. Like right. there was porcelain that came in from, from China to Iraq in, in Baghdad, wow. uh, which makes you think that it possibly easily could have gotten into the rest of Europe. If it got that far, yeah. I'm sure it could have gone up in oh, a different sure. tra- trade route to Egypt and yeah. then from Egypt off into, into the Mediterranean world and to Europe. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's much, much, much more connection than, than you would think. Yeah. Um, a lot of people try to make this argument that we should be saying that the global middle ages, um, which is true to an extent, right? You can make those arguments that there's all this trade and there's all this connection. That's all definitely true. The yeah. issue though, with studying it from an intellectual standpoint is I have hard enough time learning Latin. How about you also learn like, I want to say medieval Chinese, but like right. roughly similar time period, medieval Chinese as well yeah. as Latin. That's a, yeah. and then of course, well, I mean, you've got Arabic in the sitting in the middle of it. All. Yeah, right. So yeah. like, let's even forget about Latin, like Arabic and medieval Chinese. That's pretty, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a diff. That's, that's a tough call. That's right? a so, very tough call. Yeah. yeah. So that's really, so that's one of the difficulties with trying, cause you can figure out some of these connections because you archeology span things like that, but like yeah. really going through and actually like running through the documents. I mean, that's again, it's a, it's a, you need La- to... Latin's hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Latin's hard enough. I mean, as far as like having a a specialty, like you're saying, you need to specialize. Unless you're like a savant at languages, 
Yeah. And you can, you know, you could pick up a language like that. And even then, like, it's kind of like being a jack of all trades, but the master of none, like kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you know, kind of top level stuff about multiple countries or multiple communities Mm -hmm. in the middle ages, but have you mastered any of them? And that would be where the value is you can provide new insights into one particular group that hasn't, I mean, that's, yeah. It's, it's, that's, that's usually the main barrier to studying new areas, right? Like I can read as much Chinese history as I want in English, but there's a ton of stuff that's in in Chinese that I'm not going to be able to get to. And the documents themselves, I'm going to be relying on translations. I mean, even the English translations of Latin texts, I read them really quickly and go through, okay, this is interesting, but I'm still going to try to get back to the Latin and make sure yeah. like, how's this translation? And if there's any nuance, like there was one, one thing I was reading about heretics and they mentioned that this, this great big fish. And so one of the documents I was reading, one of the prophecies I was reading mentions Chetus and Chetus is a whale, but was also a demon. So okay. my first thought of when I looked at that translation is when they say fish, when these heretics mentioned fish, because I'm trying to compare it to my, the prophecy I'm working on. My first thought is, okay, did they use, actually use the Latin word chetus? Right. Right. Because, and it's also put in something of an apocalyptic. There's like these four animals. So kind of like mm-hmm. four beasts. And one of them is a yep. great big fish. I'm like, you guys use chetus. That brings in a whole bunch of more meaning and that yep. I can make a connection with. There's no way in heck I can do that with Chinese and like medieval yeah. Arabic, right? Yeah. Like that's just not going to happen. I'm going to be relying on translation, but oh, that's cool. Right. I'm yeah. not going to fail again. But I don't know. I think um, I kind of want to go off the one point you mentioned about uh, haha, Freud uh, coming, uh, in. coming in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a time to echo. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so about Freud and Freud coming into Sicily and just being kind of yeah. like awestruck with the ego and stuff. Yeah. Um, Italy and the Mediterranean does an interesting thing to Northern Europeans, especially in the 19th century when they visit. Um, Gregorovius, who is a German historian who wrote a multi-volume history of the city of Rome. Yeah. He seems to be like in this weird paralysis when he visits Rome that he's just in awe over it. And it's, he compares it to this place that is always decaying, but also growing. That yeah. there's this there's this yeah. growth, but it's also decaying at the same time. Right. And um when you visit Rome and you look around, you realize that it's so much different than when you're in the US and you're visiting a regular city. Yeah. There's not this sense, there's not a burden of the past that's put on you with every street you walk down. Yep. Um there's not the sense of when you walk around the Pantheon, you're up like one or two stories when you walk up next to it. You're up like one or two stories looking not down at it, but you're at a level that a regular human being when they first built it was would not have, have been at. Yeah. And it's, again, it's because the city is built up. And just realizing that, that you have a whole lot of history underneath you as yeah. you're walking around, it's just it changes your psyche as to how you view the city. Yeah. You just start seeing it differently and you yeah. start, it starts feeling different to you because you're yeah. like, I'm surrounded by like so much old stuff. And yeah. there was one evening I was like, first time I got in Rome, I really needed food. I got, went to this pizzeria um, and there was, it was right. It was, if you're facing St. Peter's, it was off to the left as you continued walking past the main road there. I forget what it's called. 
Um, but I had a great view of St. Peter's Basilica, like great view. It's like right up there. I'm just, you know, eating this great pizza, having a beer, looking up at, looking up at St. Peter's Basilica at the dome and the, the waiter who I think was on speed, <laughs> who was just crazy. Right. He was just like, yeah. he was like nuts. He was like, he paused for like, all right, bye. Ciao, 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 ciao. And you're like, oh, yeah. dude, like lay off, lay off the cocaine. Like you, you were going insane because he's like, pause, like, ciao, 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 ciao. You're like, oh, you okay? Like, do we, do we need some Narcan or something? Are you doing all right, man? Are you doing okay, bro? Um, but it was just like to realize like, dude, like how do you deal? with being around something that's 500 years old every single freaking day. Cause yeah. that's where he worked every single day. Yeah. Maybe not every single day cause of COVID, but other than that, every single day yep. he walked out and served pizzas and handed it off to people. And he could look up and see St. Peter's every single freaking day. Yeah. How do you like, the, it's just such a different perspective when you don't have that constant reminder of not just the past, but like the ancient past, like yeah. untold past. Like you walk past yes. the Roman forum and you're looking at stuff that's like literally more than 2000 years old. How do you like, what does that do to you? I like, again, I don't know what it does to a person because I'm not from that place. I walk down and say, right. look, it's a cannon from the 1800s. That's <laughs> pretty old and pretty cool. Wow, that was one of the battles used in the, one of the cannons used in the Civil War. Jeez, that's awesome, right? Like, you don't uh, walk by something that's yeah. monumental and not reeks, but just like is engrossed in a past and it's constantly yeah. around you. Yeah. Um, it's almost weird apocalyptic when you think about it is because Italian families in Rome, they fought over control of the Colosseum because the yeah. Colosseum was a source of stone and masonry. Wow. So what's it like living in the ruins of something that you know that you are not able to make? Wow. Think about that. Like you walk yeah. past the skyscraper. That's cool. But in the back of your head, you walk past the skyscraper and you're like, you know, my culture, my civilization can build something like that if they want to. Yeah. You get right. enough money, you get enough willpower, you get enough tech, yeah, you get enough investors, you can do it. Right. And so that's cool, yeah. but we could also do it. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, the place I live, like they're building another building. So, okay, great. Yeah. Build another skyscraper. Yeah. Awesome. But what if you look past it and you look at these old ruins and you're like, this is, a, you know, a public project that me and yeah. my people and my culture, we can't do that. We yeah. don't have the resource. We don't have the knowledge and we just don't even have the cultural willpower to do it. Yep. It's, I, I just, I'm curious what that's like, that, like from a psychological standpoint, you know, I'm only back to Freud. <laughs> no, back to Freud. Exactly. Um, you know, I've, I haven't made, gotten myself over to Europe yet. There's been COVID has put many things on hold for me, yeah. but so I haven't been around monumental ruins or monument not even ruins but you know saint peter's it's not a ruin but you know monumental uh, historic uh, well it's uh, it's not a physical well, ruin is it a spiritual ruin <laughs> right <laughs> i mean oh, perhaps <laughs> you know um but the so so we have you know in the united states we american history you know i've been in some old you know old buildings like i think um the uh william and mary college has the oldest uh, academic building in the country, mm -hmm. even though Harvard is an older school, William and Mary still has an older building than uh, okay. does. And so and I'm sure they play that up. Oh, definitely. Oh, on like, they don't have founded in 16, whatever it's chartered in. 
Um, and then they had it chartered by the king. Do. Yes. Yeah. It, oh, they play that up big time. Um, yep. So beautiful campus, old. If you walk around, you're like, okay, this is, you know, this is a connection to a Protestant American past. It's kind of interesting. Out West, I've had a couple of experiences where I come across um, the uh, petroglyphs mm. from ancient peoples who have mm-hmm. left marks on rocks. And when you put your hand on it, you do, and you think about it and you just kind of like imagine the person who did it. Yeah. You can kind of get this like, and you look out on the vista over like this huge plane. You can kind of been like, okay, this is what the person would have been seeing. Yeah. Because nothing's been developed here. You can kind of get that mm. connection to the past that way. Yeah. But I've never walked in a city that has stood for thousands of years. Yeah. And the people, who are living there are the descendants in a certain sense of that mm-hmm. patrimony of yeah. the, you know, of this ancient city that I, I'm excited. I really want to go. Yeah. But it's a, it's a very similar to what you mentioned. We mentioned like touching the, the inscription, yeah. like that's yeah. when I'm like, going by, when I was by walking by the Pantheon, like I wanted to touch the column and just think in like the same way yeah. you did about like, yeah. how many people have walked by here? Yeah. Like how many people have looked at this thing? Like, yep. I am one of just like this torrent of visitors who have walked by and looked up at it. And it's not that you give the thing itself a, like an actual, like a spirit or something. Yeah. But the, the fact that it's just that it has remained for so long just makes you, it puts you in awe a little bit. It makes you feel, I want to say it makes you feel small, but it makes you feel part of like a larger play that's going on yeah. on that, you know, what is it I'm, that Shakespeare says something about man is life is, but a play like he enters. He I think know. the world is a stage. I think yeah. essentially. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's weird every once in a while. Cause it's, it's, you very much realize the stage aspect when you see those old things. Yes. You realize yep. that you're, that you will exit at some point and hopefully yep. unless there's like, you know, nuclear attack or something like most of the things are going to stay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, like to walk through the forum, I can't like, or to go to see it and to imagine, to allow yourself to imagine the, the, the Romans in the forum. Yeah. It allows yourself to kind of break down this very, um, I want to say the horizontal view of existence. Mm-hmm. It gives you a parallel view of your existence. Mm-hmm. Generation generational yeah. you're able to almost have a very physical you can i, I i'm sure rome smells different than it did but you can you have i don't senses. know about that <laughs> i don't know about that, well, <laughs> know about that. Um, still smells like rotten food and piss <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, yeah um but it allows you to experience something that puts you in contact with people in the past and i think that that there's a lot of I think that there's value in that. I think that it gives you, I I think it allows you to have a connection with your fellow man in a way that you may not have if you feel like you live kind of in isolation and it gives you, it it is, it is poetic. It's a little romantic, but I think that there's a lot of beauty in it. I really do. I think. Yes. It's, it's, it's just, I was talking when I was in Italy, I was talking to a friend of mine um, who had been in Germany, Neichstadt. Um, and she's, she's Italian and we are talking kind of about this. And she says yeah. that when there are some visitors from, from Asia, and this is where I'm, I'm a little bit confused about this. Right. Yeah. Um, but she says, she told me that 
they there are instances when they get visitors in in Italy that Italians perceive this. I never perceived it myself, but this is what she said yeah. a lot of Italians deal with, not deal with or see, um, yeah. is that they see a lot of when there's these visitors from Asia that they come to Italy and they see these different old ruins or they see um, different um, like the Uffizi art gallery right. in, in, in Florence or things of that nature yeah. that they literally get sick because they don't know how to handle seeing all that beauty. Now the confusion yeah. is, is that there's obviously like beautiful monumental architecture in Japan and, oh, and China, yeah. but there's, but there's something special about it for them that she said they, they literally get physically sick because they don't know how to handle yeah. what they're seeing. And it's like, that's really curious. Like I'm like awestruck at points, right? Like how yeah. beautiful this thing is, but I'm never getting physically sick. Um, I, I think it'd be I've interesting heard, to look up and see what what's what's what is that? What's going on with that? Yeah. I've heard of people fainting as they enter St. Peter's. I've heard I, uh, I remember somebody telling me about that. Yeah. Um I think it's I, I, I would be interesting to look into because that's like you said, there's beautiful architecture and art in China and Japan and in Korea. Like they have their beautiful, I mean, they absolutely were masters at architecture in their own way. You know, mm -hmm. it's not Baroque or it's not, you know, yeah. you know, Renaissance, but, mm -hmm. but it's, uh, but there, Italy has a, a, uh, there is a, um, uh, an embarrassment of wealth when yes. it comes to arts, architecture, food, music, <laughs> yeah. it, like they hit it all. Like, yeah. you know, it's that's why they're not going to hit it militarily. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You can't have everything. You can't be a military powerhouse while you're. You yeah. guys gave that up after like, you know, the third century. <laughs> you know, they, 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 uh, they, they found espresso and they're like, eh, who needs a fight? <laughs> like, That's, like, true. Eh. That's it. Like, We're well, done. You know, it's, We're done. Yeah. Uh, but, um, oh man, I'm, uh, it's been, I, I, it, it's our, our ancestors, you know, who made the trip over the Atlantic I think, you know, it, you have a ton of respect for somebody who's willing to look across the Atlantic Ocean and be like, I don't know what's over there, but I think it's going to be better than what's here. You mm -hmm. get on that boat and go. That takes a lot of guts. Yeah. Well, but um, it's also, it was also a lot of, again, this is the connection with Sicily and, and the U.S. Yeah. is that a lot of them are from either Sicily or they're from Calabria, yeah. which is the front toe in Italy. Yep. They're from that yeah. Southern region where things aren't that good. Yep. Um, Economically, just, it is rough there. And a yep. lot of them did come. Yep. Yeah. A lot of the Italian immigrants were Sicilians. Yep. You don't come from um, the North because the North are just, you're pretty general in the 19th century. You're set up. You're a good, yep. solid bourgeoisie middle-class person, <laughs> right? You're not like, yeah. I don't know, dealing the salt mines in Palermo or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, right? Or having, as in my, in my great grandmother's case, having a mafia Don's son propose to you in marriage, you deny it or you reject it. And now you have to worry about getting raped and killed by this mafia Don's son. Holy like that's, th insane. that's the, yeah. And that's why she got on Oof. a boat and left for the United States at like 16 or something. It was like, yeah. Ooh. So yeah. That's your great grandmother. That was my great grandmother. Great grandmothers. That's not too long ago. Great grand, no. great, great grandmothers is a long time ago, but the, yeah, no, that was, yeah. That's my grandfather's mother. Yeah. Whew. That's not yeah. that far ago. No. Is that before no. World War II? Yeah, before World War II. Yeah. Okay, but after World War One. 
Uh, she would have been ye. Let me. Th- ah. She it not nineteen been, not nineteenth century though. No, 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 not nineteenth century. No, okay. no, no, no. She, I want to say she came over in like nineteen eleven or something like okay. twelve, something okay. like that. Um, Just in time for Italy to switch sides. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I want to say it was in that time period, but I, okay. I could be okay. mixing yeah, yeah. timelines. But. That's still not that far ago. No, no, not at all. Wow. When I heard that, when I when we were told that story, I was like, "What? Like that's that's insane." Yeah. Like, yeah. wow. Um, yeah. So, so that's the Sicily connection with, with like most of, most of American, when we think of like Italian American culture, yeah. like, like most of it is Sicilian. Like it's, a it's lot not, of it is, it's not it Northern is. Italian. It's not Florentine. It's not Roman. Yeah. It's Sicilian and Southern Italian. Yeah. Yep. We just say, Which, oh, I, Italy. And you're like, no, Southern Italy. Yeah, yeah, and oh well, and if you do come across an Italian American from the north, and you tell them you're Sicilian, <laughs> then there's then there's a uh, whole thing that goes along with that. Yeah, you remember um, that with like uh, Maradona when he was playing for Napoli, um, oh, really? when they were playing in like the Champions League and stuff, and they'd go up into yeah. um, in Milan, they'd play like AC Milan or Inter Milan, and all the Milanese yeah. are yelling at all the like the Southern Italians that they all have malaria. And just all yeah. these really shitty things. <laughs> like, oh man, you guys, Oof. Yep. crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, I'm even ex- like, I can't. Yeah, I've even experienced it as somebody who's only a quarter <laughs> Sicilian. You're barely running in, barely. Yeah, like a quarter. Like you know, I mean, I'm proud. Like you know, I'm you know, I think it's cool. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've run into like Italian Americans who aren't from the South, and when they find out I'm Sicilian, they they look it down at me and I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but it, that stuff runs deep. Yeah. It does. It's like that one meme. I was God once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, like, oh, and you know, I, I think that there's also, I, I liked what this author talked about where Sicil- Sicilian Sicilians, while they may not have ever been an empire, they have been a crossroads and a, in a place where cultures from all over the world have come together and met. Yeah. And I think that there's a huge benefit to that. I mean, obviously Rome brought roads all over the world. Like every empire has done a lot to bring people together, but it was a in, it was an unviolent way to bring the world together yeah. in Sicily. Cause yeah, it's a crossroads trade and it was capitalism and it was exchange of ideas. Like Syracuse was the home to an Academy, mm-hmm. like where Archimedes and like a bunch of people studied and it was, it was cool. So that was uh, that's Sicily. I think uh, I think we've exhausted. No, Sicily. I think we've come to a good point. Well, no, Italy is never uh, Sicily is never exhausted. <laughs> no, Always comes forth new. That's um, right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. When you when you get to the medieval part, we can talk about that. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I will definitely. But, yep, I'll definitely get there, and we'll talk yeah, about it. Well. All right. All right. Well, now that uh, do you, when do you think we'll get the check in the mail from the Southern Italian tourist industry for promoting? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if they want people coming i don't know what their position is about no, no, yeah who knows I mean, that's yeah. where you can go and buy those houses for like one dollar or something one that's euro true. oh my gosh i was so tempted to do that oh really that's but the catch is you have to spend a bunch of money to like renovate it ah uh, there you go like there you yeah, go. yeah it's like a buck but then 
like the contract is that you have to spend like thousands of dollars. Yeah, and imagine trying to deal with Southern Italian bureaucracy to like rent oh. your house. Oh, uh, gross. <laughs> like, like it's so. I we'll we'll wrap this up, but like, yeah. So yeah. you have like England, where you're not allowed to like change your house if it's a certain age. Like you have to like yeah. keep the mm-hmm. same roof and stuff. Imagine doing that, but so England is bureaucratic but very organized imagine doing that with a bureaucratic organization that is like not organized yeah like byzantine and absolute like nightmare yeah yeah i that would not be okay you'd have yeah. to pay off some people oh you definitely would yeah. yep all right well the key to everything is paying off people that's right there you go. all right there you go <laughs> Sicilia. Right. Hey. ciao all right cheers cheers <laughs>